Good morning and welcome to worship. I invite you to stand if you'd like to. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I thank you for this day that you've given us. Um, thank you for this opportunity to gather together in worship and fellowship. God, I pray that you would be with us today. God, I pray that you would accept our worship and uh, help us to focus on you during this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. our King. Come let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior. Your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm, you'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, and I know you will do it again, for your promises, yes and amen, you will do great things, God, you do great things, oh, hero of heaven. You conquered the grave, you free every captive, and break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive, oh Jesus our Savior, your name lifted high, oh God, you have done great things. God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things, hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, 
been faithful and all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I am made I will sing of the goodness of God You have been faithful, and all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God.
the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever say worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you and holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. 
Don't they do a great job? Would you give, give them a hand? 
Yeah, I was talking to one of my one of my best friends in ministry this week. He asked us, uh, "What are you doing for in worship in McLeod?" I said, "We've got a great worship leader. We've got a, a you know a piano, a guitar, uh, a ukulele, a violin, and a, and a drum box." And he was like, "Wow, you know, I, I've been to some." small community worship services and kind of cringed at the music. Have you ever been to one like that? And uh, I, I'm, I'm just so grateful that the music is always, you know, powerful and enthusiastic and uplifting and, and above all glorifies the Lord. So th- thanks, Jesse, and thanks to each of y'all who are on the worship team. And I think it's great. You know, we've got uh, junior high, high school, uh, adults of various ages on our on our worship team. That That's what the community looks like. That's what the church looks like. And that's what worship looks like. So I think that's awesome. Uh, would you pray with me now? Would you ask God to speak to your heart today through the message? I don't know if you pray that regularly, but I know God has a word for each of us. And we have a God who who speaks to us through the reading of his word, through the preaching and teaching of his word. And I know, I know God has something for you this morning. So let, let's pray. God, God in heaven, as we look at these uh, wonderful words of Jesus, I pray, God, that you'd speak through me, speak to your people through the reading and preaching of your word. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people agreed. Amen. Hey, thank you for praying with me. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. We'll kind of be looking through verses 36 to 38, kind of verse by verse. Uh, the introduction to the message is a little longer than normal this morning, but uh, we'll definitely dig into these scriptures this morning. Would you like to stand to honor our Lord with me? These are words of Jesus uh, to us this morning. The scripture says in Matthew 9, 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Uh, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to, to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, please be seated. Do you know what the fastest growing religious group in America is? Uh, the fastest growing group today is called the nuns. And, and not N-U-N-S. I mean the nuns with N-O-N-E-S. The nuns. Nothing. Uh, uh, you may be asking, who are the nuns? Uh, the nuns are people who are, who are totally religiously unaffiliated people. They don't have a relationship with God. They don't have a relationship with a spiritual community. And, and if they're given a form and asked what religion they are, they don't answer Baptist, Catholic, Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu. They don't, they don't give, they don't answer any of the categories. They're, they're picking a, a new category, nuns. And the nuns have always been around us. We've always had people around us who, who, who don't, don't have any connection to a spiritual community that don't really have any heart connection to God. We've always had them around us, uh, but they're growing at a staggering rate today in America. For those who are not in relationship with Jesus, those who are not affiliated with, with any church. And when it, when it comes to religion of any kind, they're simply indifferent. They're apathetic. Uh, They don't oppose religion. They don't oppose Christ. They don't oppose his church. They just don't care to be involved, period. Uh, They they really don't know enough about the gospel. They don't know enough about the Bible. They don't know enough about Jesus or God to to really make a decision because nobody shared that with them. And the younger people are in America, the more likely they are to be part of this group called the nuns. 
Uh, Religious affiliation in general, Christianity in particular, is growing all over the world except in Europe and America. And most of the nuns, that they, they believe in God, but they really don't have a relationship with God through Jesus. They, they've got a head knowledge without really a heart relationship. And they're not connected to, a, you know, to some kind of spiritual community. They're not connected to a church. So. And they consider themselves, or they at least may consider themselves to be spiritual people. They may be open to, to spiritual things, but, but they're rejecting... Um, any expression of, of, of religious expression like the church. Uh, they're, not, they're not rejecting God. They're just rejecting uh, how people gather to know God. And, and they're really not interested in knowing God themselves. And they're content with being the nuns. And rather than atheists, they're what we call apathists. Have you heard that word apathist? They're, they're apathetic. They're indifferent to, to spiritual things. It's a, like they're shrugging their shoulders when it comes to God and say, so what? Who cares? I, I don't. And, and we're seeing a, a staggering rise of the nuns throughout America and even right here in Oklahoma. And it, it's not that, it's not just that Americans are rejecting Christianity intellectually or emotionally. That The issue is much more troubling than that. The, uh, the bigger issue is that you know, Christians in America, we're just not passing down our faith enough to other people. We're not sharing our faith enough to other people. Uh, and so this morning, let's, before we dig into Matthew chapter five or Matthew chapter nine, I want to talk about five reasons why we see this rise of the nuns in America. You might you might see some of this in your life. You might see some of this in in your community or in your in your friends and your family. Uh, the biggest reason people are not becoming Christians in America is that, that most of us who already know Christ, most of us are not sharing the gospel regularly with people who don't know, know Christ. Um, and churches are not prioritizing sharing the gospel like, like we used to say, you know, I've, I've been in ministry, I guess I was a youth minister back in the 80s, I've been a pastor since 1991. It seems that, you know, in the 80s and 90s, I saw people you know, sharing the gospel more, inviting people to church more. It's not happening so much now that we're, you know, in this, in this new millennium. And as, as Christians, sometimes we don't even know anyone in our lives who, who isn't a Christian, or we don't know anyone in our life who, who isn't in our, our circle of relationships like our, like our church. And it's easy to fall into the trap at times that, you know, that, you know, that church is about us who already know God. I've, I've heard a pastor say that recently. You know, church is not just about us who, who already are, are in, in relationship with Jesus, in, in the church. You know, church in, in a big part is about reaching people who are far from God, um, helping them come to know Christ, uh, helping them get baptized, helping them learn the Christian faith, helping them get discipled as part of the church. That, that's really the, the heart of the church. That's really the heart of Jesus. Uh, the, the second reason, uh, you know, for the rise of the nuns in America is that the, the social benefits of Christians has largely disappeared in our country. You know, people used to go to church to look respectable in their community. If they were school teachers, uh, they, they'd, they'd want to be seen by other school teachers in church. If they were a banker, they wanted to be seen by other community members as, as, as people who are respectable in church. Uh, in, in a way, they wanted to keep up appearances. It's what we, we called cultural Christianity. But, but today things have changed. Most people don't, don't care about their reputation as Christians or church members. And, and so if they were cultural Christians, they just don't do church anymore. 
<laughs> the third reason that, that more people are not connected to the church is that we have an enormous amount of leisure activities uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, you know, the sports for kids and teenagers are huge on Sunday morning. I, I pastored in Dallas when, uh, when the, the, the Minnesota North Stars, the hockey, professional hockey team came to Dallas and, and, and the Dallas area started all these hockey leagues, um, on ice and, and on concrete. And they started them on, on Wednesdays and they started them on Sundays. And we had a group of dad and dads in our church and other churches that just told uh, the coaches, our kids aren't going to be involved if you do it on Wednesdays and Sundays. And so they changed the games uh, in the practices to Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. <laughs> but that, that, that's, that's really rare. Uh, but beyond sports on Sunday, uh, we, we've got all sorts of entertainment options. You know, people just travel more than they used to. And then I don't think many Christians aren't, you know, prioritizing church on Sunday as much as they used to. You know, we used to say that, you know, someone was really active in church if they were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, now people feel like they're active in church if they just show up two or three Sundays a month. You know, the, the, the standards have kind of changed. And, and church has become just one of many choices on Sunday morning, and sometimes church is just the last choice. Uh, but the problem is when, when we get distant from church, we, we usually get more distant from God. And then there's a, there's a fourth reason uh, for the rise of the nuns in America, and we might call that permissive parents, permissive parenting. Uh, you know, mom and dad, many moms and dads don't have the, the nerve or the background to insist that, that little Johnny and little Susie get up and go to Sunday school and go to church and, and be in church with them and be in Sunday school with them. And the excuse they hear, and I've heard this from parents in Shawnee, the excuse they share is that we don't want to turn them off to church, so we're not telling them to attend. And funny thing is, we don't do that with school. We're not worried about turning them off to college by requiring them to attend junior and senior high. It doesn't really make sense. And so if we do that, you know, we end up abdicating our role as the spiritual leaders of our families. We, we abdicate our role as parents in that way. We, we end up letting children make spiritual decisions where parents need to be making those spiritual decisions. And, and, and really, if you think about it, do you know how crazy that is? You know, it, you know we, we look even from the beginning in the Old Testament and, you know, God tells us to, to, to lead our children spiritually. The New Testament, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Yeah, I, I love in Deuteronomy, it says from really from the time you get up, from the time you're walking around on the streets, the time you go to bed, you know, saturate your family with the things of God. You know, God calls us to be in charge as parents. And then the, the fifth reason, what we might call the, the last reason, is that, that, that many parents have, have stopped passing down their faith to their children. It's not that the parents stopped believing in God, but they just chose not to bring their children up in church. And, I, you know, my, myself and our, and our youth minister back in Shawnee, we were talking to, to, to one of the dads who was, you know, coming to church once a quarter. And, and what he told us is what many parents are thinking today is um, that, I'm not going to give my kids any spiritual direction. I'm going to let them choose whatever religion they want, even if it's no religion at all. And, and again, I'd ask, do you know how crazy that sounds? You know, God, God calls us as parents to, to lead our children spiritually. And I, sometimes I see grandparents taking up the slack for, for their kids so that their grandkids will know the Lord. Yeah. And again, God calls us to be in charge. 
And, and here's, the, here's the really scary thing. Um, if we repeat this cycle um, just once for a generation, we have a whole generation of the nuns. And that's where we are in America now. And it's, and it's not that they've rejected Christianity. They just haven't been exposed to the gospel. They haven't really been exposed to a relationship with Jesus. They haven't been exposed to what it's like to be a, a part of a healthy church. They've not been encouraged to come to Christ, not been encouraged to, to get baptized, to be taught about Christianity, become part of the church. Yeah. Here's a real life story. Uh, Gary and Connie are some of our friends, my, mine and Connie's friends, and they're in their late 70s. They may, they may be 80 now. My, they, they're my parents' age. My, my parents, if they were living, they'd be 79 today. They turn 80 in December. Um, and their children are, are my age. You know, their, their children are, you know, late 50s or maybe 60. Um, and their, their grandchildren are our son's age. Our son is 30. And we were, Connie and I were eating over their house uh, one, I think it was one Sunday afternoon, about supper time. And, and they just started to share, you know, I asked them about their kids and their grandkids. And they, it's like they, they turn white as a sheet and they just begin to lament. It's like they were on the verge of tears. And then they shared their story. They said, this is what we did as parents. They said, we, were, we went to church and we went to Sunday school but, but every time with our children, when there was another option, when there was a sports activity, when there was uh, something to do with school or entertainment, we always chose the other one and we fit church in when it was convenient. And, um, and because um, church wasn't essential really to the parents, it didn't become essential to their kids. And so when their kids went to college and when they became adults out of college, they just quit church altogether. And so they, they, never, uh, they never exposed their, their grandchildren to, to, to Christ, the church, to Christians. Um, and so their, their grandchildren who are in their 20s and 30s, they, they've never been exposed to Christ in the gospel. They're part of the nuns. The only time they, they might get exposed to Christ in the gospel might be on a, on a Mother's Day or, or on an Easter Sunday or on a Christmas Eve, but that's not enough. And so today, adults in their 20s and 30s are, are the largest part of the nuns. And, and again, they, they've not rejected Christianity. They, they've simply not been exposed to what, it's, what it is to be a follower of Christ, what it is like to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, what it's like to be a, a part of a spiritual community where we can grow together spiritually. And, and many of the nuns, they don't know how to pray. <laughs> Remember, Jesus taught us to pray to our Heavenly Father, and we pray in Jesus' name. They don't know how to pray. They, they, they don't know how to read the Bible. They don't know this mysterious book, or it's mysterious for them. They, they don't know the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. They don't know the difference between uh, the Gospels and Paul's letters. They just, they, they don't know. They've not been exposed to it. Uh, they're not in relationship with Christ. Uh, they haven't been connected to the church. It, it, it's really similar to the way that, that, that most of them don't know Roman numerals or how to write in cursive. It's just something that's just kind of slipped away. Uh, they weren't taught when they were young, so they assume it's not worth learning. And, and Johnny and Susie don't have a relationship with Jesus today because their grandparents let their parents either do something else on Sunday or, or, or stay out late Saturday night and, and sleep in during, during Sunday school and church. And so they're, they're disconnected from God today. 
And they're not agnostics. They're not, they're not atheists. They're just indifferent to spiritual things. They're indifferent to Jesus. They don't care about his church. And, and they don't even think about heaven. They don't think about knowing Jesus. I, I remember I was taught in seminary in the 80s that when you share Christ, the first thing you ask, if, if you're going to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? That's not even on their radar screen. They're not thinking about heaven or hell. They're not even thinking about God. They're not thinking about being in relationship with God. They're, you have church on Sunday, that's just something somebody else does. And the nuns are the largest religious group in America today, the fastest growing religious group. And think about this, friends. Think about your families. Think about your friends. One in every four adults in America is now one of the nuns. And if, and if, and if the adults are in their 20s and 30s, it's one of every three are just totally disconnected from God and the church. Uh, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, I remember the North American Mission Board telling us maybe for 20, 25 years that, that four out of five people in America are spiritually lost. They're headed for an eternity in hell without Jesus. And, and these numbers are growing. The percentages are larger. And, and think about it. You know, most of our neighbors, most of our coworkers, most of our classmates, most of the people were involved with things in the community, with sports or scouts or dance or community activities or, and for some of us, even most of our extended family just don't know Christ in the church. And Jesus gave us our mission, the Great Commission, make disciples of Christ. In other words, share the gospel, help people know Christ, then help them grow in Christ. That's our mission. And I like to say our mission as a church is threefold. We love God. We love people. We, we love our communities. And we do that best by, by sharing Jesus with them, by inviting them to be a part of his church. And my, my prayer uh, is that God will give me opportunities to help people come to Christ, to invite them to church. God will give all of you opportunities to, to help people come to Christ in the church. Huh. And would you dream this dream with me? We have a great, big, awesome God. You know, dream this dream with me. You know, I dream of seeing people, even just one, one person committing their life to Christ every week through this church family. Dream of baptizing people, even just one, every week for this church family. I, I dream of you know, everyone inviting someone, actually bringing a family member or friend every week. And think about that. If, if, we, if we did that, you know, this, this church would be really, really an unstoppable force for Jesus in McLeod and the surrounding area. Now, would, you get with, would you go with me to Matthew chapter 9 now? Yeah, that was setting kind of a large backdrop this morning. Uh, what's the heart of the church is our question this morning. And, and the heart of the church is really the heart of Jesus. And we, we see four points in, the, in the, this passage this morning. Uh, the heart of the church is that we love people who need Jesus. We love people who are, who are without Jesus. And Jesus loves people who are spiritually lost. He's got compassion on them because they're far from God. They're disconnected from God. They're totally separated in relationship with God. And ultimately, they're headed for an eternity in hell without God. And Jesus talks about, verse 36, describing Jesus, that Jesus has compassion. And the word for compassion there is a gut-level compassion. They, you know, a real ache in the gut over people that are far from God. And when I look at the life of Jesus, I only remember him um, recorded in scripture, crying on two occasions. 
Uh, the first time, you know, a close friend, Lazarus, died. And he saw his, Lazarus's sisters and family and friends with all his hard grief. And Jesus wept and, and just grieved along with them. And then the next time that, that Jesus wept was really the last week of his life. He goes into Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is the, the most religious city in the world at that time. And, and he looks over the people and finds out that even though they claimed to be religious, they didn't know God. They weren't in relationship with God. And Jesus just wept over, over his own people. And, and that's the kind of compassion that, that Jesus tells us to have here. You know, Jesus weeps over people who don't know him. Jesus weeps over people who are, who are too busy with their lives to know him. He, Jesus weeps over people who have messy lives, who, who desperately need him. Jesus, Jesus loves skeptics and, and doubters and critics because the Bible holds up under all of that. You can bring your, your questions to God, your, your, your skepticism, your doubts, your criticism. The Bible holds up under all of that. Ask honest questions. We can give you really honest answers of how the Bible holds up on, over all of that. And, and Jesus weeps over people who could care less about him. He, he weeps over the nuns because they're far from God. And friends, I, I think like Jesus here, we can develop this gut-level compassion for people who are far from God. And the point is, you know, our hearts should break, our, our guts should ache over, over the people in our lives, family members, friends, neighbors, people we work with, people we, we, we see in the coffee shop or at restaurants, people just, we know but they don't know God. We've got to develop that, that, that broken heart, that, that achy gut for people who, who need Jesus. And in verse 36, notice what it says, that, that people without Jesus, they're harassed and they're helpless. And what Jesus is talking about here is that, you know, people get beaten up by life's problems. It might be, it might be, you know, problem with finances, problems with jobs, problems at school, or, you know, problems with the relationships, with families, uh, with, with marriages, with kids. And, and I think beyond anything we, we see in America right now, we, we're, we're a stressed out nation. <laughs> you know, a, a lot, a lot of people are just, they're anxious. They're, they're worried. You know, coming out of the pandemic, they're, they're discouraged, even though we're, we're two years out of the pandemic. People are harassed and helpless. And Jesus says people, the people without him are, are like sheep without a shepherd. I haven't done any, I haven't done any, any, uh, any shepherding, but I know that shepherds lead their sheep. They care for their sheep. They protect their sheep. And, and that's what Jesus does when he's the Lord of our lives. He, he leads us in our life day, one day at a time. He, he loves us. He cares for us. He, he protects us. He, he, He's the biggest part of our life. And the best way we can show love and care to people is to help them come to know Christ. What's the heart of the church? We, we see the second point is we, we share the gospel with people who need Jesus. Look, look at verse 37. Jesus says that the harvest is plentiful. And, and Jesus isn't talking about agriculture here. He's talking about people. Yeah. The harvest fields are our relationships, our community, our, our family, our friends. Um, you know, people all around us uh, are more ready to receive Jesus than, than we realize, but they need someone to, to talk with them about Jesus. They need a Christian to befriend them, to go along with them in the journey. It's, it's not just one point, one conversation. It's a relationship. It's many conversations with somebody coming to Christ. I, I know when I first started leading people to Christ, uh, 
You know, as a brand new Christian, it was like one conversation and people would come to faith in Christ. Today, people are, are much more distant from God. So many times it, it takes a trusting relationship, a caring relationship, and it takes lots of conversations, honest, honest answers to, to honest questions. And they need us to show them the way. They need us to show them what, what, who Christians really are. And, and I hear Christians say sometimes that if I just live a good life around my family and friends, that'll be enough. I don't have to speak up. I don't have to share Jesus. If I just live a good life, um, I'll, it'll somehow rub off on them by osmosis. Friends, that doesn't work. Uh, you know, the Bible says pe- people are spiritually lost. We have to help them find Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says p- people are spiritually blind. We have to help them open up their eyes to, uh, to see Jesus. <laughs> pe- the Bible says people are spiritually deaf. We have to help them open up their ears to, to hear the gospel. You know, we, we live in a culture that's always throwing out the noises and images of the world. We're, we're, you know, we're saturated with it. And to, to the point, it's like pouring out of our pores at all times where we, we've got to help them just slow down and, and introduce them to Jesus. You know, I like what Romans 10 says in verses 14 and 15. It says, you know, how can anybody believe in Jesus unless we tell them? We've got to show them the way. And so, you know, we, we have a job. If we know Christ, our job's to tell people about Christ and our relationship with Christ and, and how they can come to know Christ. And Many people say, I don't know the Bible well enough. I don't know how to do it. Uh, you know, three, three, three things you need to do to lead someone to Christ. Tell them what your life was like before you came to Jesus. Tell them what your life, tell them how you came to Jesus in relationship. And then tell them how Jesus changed their life. Your story has incredible power. If Jesus is in your heart, working in your life, your story has incredible power. If you share it with someone and they know that you care about them and you, and you, and you love them. Uh, that if they're they're your friend, your their coworker, their your classmate, uh, your teammate on the ball field. If if you just talk with them, share about them, you, you can earn that right by your relationship to share the gospel. You know, people need uh, an invitation to church. They need someone to show them the way. And and crazy as it sounds to those of us who've been in church a long time, church can be a really intimidating place for people that don't know Christ. You know, they, they see these crazy caricatures of the church and, and, and TV and movies and think that church is like that. It's not like that at all. <laughs> they see these crazy caricatures of Christians that, you know, that were harsh and mean and judgmental and hypocritical. Where, where most Christians are not like that at all. Where, where they, they, they need someone to, to, to meet them at the door, show them where the nursery is, show them where the kids' classes are, the, the, the youth classes are. They, they need somebody to sit, sit with them in worship. And, and maybe find some time during the week to say, hey, could we grab a cup of coffee or could we grab some food after, after the service and just answer your questions? They, they need some guidance. Yeah. We, we had a family that, that joined our church in Shawnee and I, you know, we were First Baptist Shawnee. We were, we were kind of the, 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 the white collar money church, coat and tie, fancy dress kind of, kind of church. The country club church was the reputation for a while. And I had this couple came into our church and they said, we've been, we've been walking by your church on Sunday morning for about five years, but we've been afraid to come in because everyone has nicer clothes than we do. And the husband says, 
I don't own a coat and tie. I haven't put a coat and tie on since I was a teenager, and he's in his 40s. And the wife said, I don't really own a nice dress. I wear jeans every day. And, and when they told me that story, I told the church the next Sunday, I'm not wearing my coat and tie anymore except, um, except during a funeral. And most of our men were coat and tie guys. Everyone but one person in the church took off their coat and tie. And it's not that what you wear is so important. We just wanted to make people comfortable so that they didn't feel creeped out by everybody that was way too dressed up for them. We wanted to just make, and it opened up spiritual conversations for them. Uh, they, they, got, they recommitted to Christ. They, they joined the church, got involved in a small group. You know, God's transforming their lives just because people invested time talking with them um, and, and, and just being the presence of Christ before them, helping them um, learn how to pray, learn how to do the, learn how to read the scriptures, learn learn how to be a part of the church, and you know God changed their lives in in, in just a wonderful way. And and remember, even though church is a comfortable place for most of us, it's not for everyone. Not if they've not been before. You ever been to some place for the first time and you don't know anyone? It feels really awkward and anxious to go into any place when you don't know anyone, especially if not been to that kind of place before. Verse, verse 37, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. He's saying lots of people need to come to Jesus, want to come to Jesus, um, but the workers are few. And friends, the workers are me and you. <laughs> the workers are people who need to share Christ. Too few, too few people are sharing Christ. Too few people are inviting people to, to, to the church. But, but what if all of us reached one this year? We've got a little over, little over five months left of the year. What if all of us reached one? What if all of us brought just one to the church? Boy, the, the, the church would be changed exponentially. Uh, the heart of the church, verse 38, the heart of the church is we pray for God to use us to, to lead people to Jesus. And Jesus gives us this harvest prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest. That, that's our God to send out workers into the harvest field. We're, we're, we're the workers. The harvest field is our relationship. And if we pray for God to send out workers, we're not just praying for international missionaries. We're praying for God to use people. And when we pray for God to use other people, God often answers to prayer by, by using us. Um, and so family, friends, workplaces, neighborhoods, classrooms, ball fields, coffee shops, restaurants, people all around us. God, God's put us in a mission field. I know Ray Knight and I drove around a couple of Mondays ago, and he just showed me the community and the surrounding communities and all the homes going up. I mean, the, the mission field is coming to McLeod and the surrounding areas. You know, let's reach some of them. Let's befriend them. Let's give them opportunities to hear about Jesus and invite them to the church. You know, I, I pray for God to use us. And, and when Jesus says here, uh, pray for God to send out workers that the force is literally thrust out. <laughs> God wants to thrust us out of our comfort zones into conversations with people who need the Lord. And then, then finally, what's the heart of the church? We, we pray for the salvation of people by name who need Jesus. So what do we pray for? You know, we pray that the people we know by name that are far from God, or, or maybe this close to knowing God, or, or that far from knowing God. We pray for them by name every day that God will work in their hearts to bring them to Jesus. We pray that God will convince them that, that they need to come to Christ. They need to get into a church. We pray that God will convict them of their sins and, and energize faith in their hearts to receive Jesus. 
you know, we pray for God to give us opportunities to, to have spiritual conversations with them, to invite them to church, and, and that they'd have receptivity to that. That's, that's really the heart of Jesus in, in the heart of the church. And I know where, where I grew up, I, I grew up in Connecticut, and we had dominoes up there but didn't know how to play them. Had to come to Texas <laughs> to learn how to play dominoes. And even though I had some dominoes, I would, I'd kind of, the only thing I did with them as a kid, I'd stack them up vertically in a long line or sometimes in a design. And it took some time to do it. And I might knock some over in the meantime and have to reset them up again. You know, life works that way. But it takes some time to do that. But when you, when you start toppling them over, you know, they, they go quite quickly. And, and I really believe that's how it is if, if we as a people, as we as the people who make up Christ Church here at you know, First Baptist Church McLeod, if, if we start sharing the gospel, if we start building relationships with people who need God, if we, if we start inviting people to church every week, it's like stacking up those, those dominoes. It takes a little time to, to build momentum, but then God begins to work. God begins to answer prayer. God begins to, to change people's lives. It's like those dominoes just keep dropping over. You know, when I, I've, I've said a few times, I really believe you know, First Baptist McLeod will, will come out stronger on the other side of the transition, on the other side of the interim. And, and that'll be the key to being stronger, sharing Christ, inviting people to church. You know, God, God has, has, has a heart for a church that does that. God's presence and blessings rests on a church heavy who are committed to sharing the gospel. Don't understand 
Oh 